This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, I usually don't do any trigger warnings, but on this one, I really do want to give you a heads up. We talk about a very, very difficult subject of losing a baby through stillbirth. And I know this can be very triggering for some people. So please consider this your your heads up. And if you want to enjoy the content where we talk about house hacking, I would definitely recommend skipping to about the 30-ish minute mark. And that will, will get you into a really good conversation there. Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds Podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. I've always believed that having your stuff together with money and having a good financial plan is not about the money at all. It's about the freedom and the options it gives you. This conversation with my friend Jen was one that I will never forget. It was one where I have never seen somebody go through so much hardship and come out with an amazing perspective on how important it is to better your life, but then take that message and spread it to thousands of people and share such deep hardships. That was one of the things that was so inspiring to me when having this conversation with my friend, Jen Narciso. If you have not met Jen before, she's an incredible woman. I stand by this. I think she's probably the strongest person I've ever met by far. She's the founder of Investor Mama and host of the Investor Mama podcast. She believes that anyone can get out of debt and achieve financial independence by getting educated, changing his or her habits, and changing their money beliefs. Her goal is to help as many moms and families as she can with their money journey so that they can set an example for the next generation. Jen has two beautiful young children and one beautiful angel baby. In her spare time, she loves to travel. She's an adamant reader on anything money-related, and most importantly, she likes to create memorable moments with her family and friends. In this episode, we cover a lot of ground. We talk about some really difficult subjects that unfortunately are a reality for some people. And I mean, God, as much as we would like to just like get on these podcasts and talk about how great life always is, that's not always the case. In fact, a lot of us go through some really, really crappy times. And I was so grateful that Jen was open to sharing some of her experiences to help 
other people feel like maybe their emotions aren't so crazy and what they're going through is normal. And, you know, just talk about sometimes the ugliness of life. It's not always sunshine and rainbows. So in this episode, we talk about losing her son at at birth and how that led to her starting a podcast. We talk about how Jen dealt with grieving and what others did for her to make that process a little bit better. The importance of connecting with people that went through very similar things. This was such a, a good point, and I really appreciated Jen sharing this. What these really difficult experiences taught Jen about financial preparedness and why it's worth it to go through these processes of getting your finances together. We also talk about how these experiences affected Jen's outlook on her financial independence journey. We dig into house hacking while raising a family and how that made her experience a little bit different. This was interesting. I rarely hear people talk about house hacking with kids, so this was really inspiring for me. We share some unique advantages that come from house hacking your living situation, how house hacking can take place of other investments, and the importance of having contingency plans while house hacking as well. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Again, this is a very uh, tough topic for the first part of this conversation. So if that's something that you don't think you can emotionally handle, I respect that. Just go ahead and fast forward to about halfway through the episode and we'll talk about some house hacking stuff too. All right, guys. um, Thank you so much for tuning in and let's go ahead and turn the mic over to my friend, Jen Narcissa. Hey, hey guys, welcome back to another episode. Today I'm joined by my friend, Jen. Jen, thank you so much for hanging out. Wow, Whitney, thank you so much for coming, for letting me come on. I should say it's a real honor. Your podcast is amazing. I love all your social media content and you're just like rocking it. (laughs) You are too, my friend. So tell us a little bit about what you have going on at Investor Mama. Oh yeah, sure. Well, I started Investor Mama podcast about like two years ago after um, losing her son at birth, Nathan. And so if any of you has ever experienced it, you know what it's like and it's just unspeakable. And so I needed a, well, I should say, fortunately, we were very blessed to get pregnant again um, with our second son, Ethan. And I uh, I needed a distraction. I really, yeah. really needed a distraction. And so I've been talking about doing a podcast and just kind of thinking about it. And I said, you know what? I went to FinCon and I just... I just did it. <laughs> it has a and, way of making you do that. Yeah. And it was just the biggest blessing. It's been amazing. And then fortunately we had our son and we had a little bit of a rough road with him too. In the beginning, it's like your kids love to just scare you. I guess <laughs> for, so. For all like, so with Ethan, it was crazy when he was born, we were told we got a call like a week not even a week of him being home that he had this rare genetic disorder that only 2000 kids in the entire world had it. It's called tyrosinemia. And it's essentially where your body doesn't have a, I believe it's like a liver, like actual gene is missing. And so he was going to have to be on this crazy diet, take this special formula um, and really like like it, it was very, very serious. Like if he veered off this diet or he didn't take this formula, like, um, it could have been really, really bad. Yeah. Uh, and so we were like mentally preparing for this and we were like, all right, like we already dealt with Nathan, we can handle anything. I was like, all right, God, like, come on, just give us a break. And I really swear with all the prayers that we had, he somehow got through it. They said it was um, a miracle because they never see, he tested double positive for this 
disorder or genetic mutation, whatever it was. And somehow when they did like a final just to like check it, they said he was fine. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, that's it. We just spent the past three weeks going through like, you know, to the end of the earth and back, just trying to figure out how we're going to like completely readjust our life for this. And he didn't have it. And it was a miracle. And so I was like, all right, I got to go into investor mama even harder now. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. How old is he now? So he's about to turn two. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So it's been a whirlwind and we have our oldest just turned five. And so, yeah, parenting is not easy. And I also, I always tell people, I know this is not kind of the topic we were going to go down, but I feel like it's so important. Like, thank God we had a strong emergency fund because first of all, with Nathan, the cost of just his funeral Mm. was over $12,000. Oh my gosh, Jen. Yeah. Just to like not have him buried in the hospital. Like they have like a cemetery. For, this is like, I, I'm saying this nonchalantly now, but this was very like, difficult. oh my God, I can I just, like, imagine. So I'm just kind of now I kind of look back and I just have to kind of like go through it. But um, yeah, it was like, I said to my husband, like, we have to bury him properly. And so I'm not do like, let's, it's like, okay, so you're going like funeral shopping after losing right. your child, like a day. So we kind of just used the cemetery where my parents were, um, my parents' family rather were buried. And um, yeah, just to have a small little casket to do a mausoleum and to have like a little ceremony, it was 12 grand to do it. And how could we not? <laughs> and then even with Ethan, like, the if he did have this we were already figuring out with insurance like insurance doesn't always cover uh the food and stuff that we would have needed to buy which was significantly more expensive and then this formula i think it was like five hundred dollars for one little like can like for and he would have needed it twice a day so you're looking at 500 maybe a thousand dollars a month (laughs) just for like hoping insurance would cover like there was like you know there was still you know, would have been having to really like haggle with insurance to figure out what they would and wouldn't. And like, this is just life for like necessity for our kids. Like, and so I'm such an advocate of really, especially moms and dads, like get your house in order. Even if you have kids, like you never know what the big bad wolf is going to come. We just know he is and to be prepared uh, for it. Man, I'm so glad that you guys were financially prepared because I know that you're very much on the path to financial independence and you're working really hard towards that, but just thinking through how much more difficult emotionally that financial section would have been on top of all all the crap you're already thrown at, like, that's awful. Yeah. And at, and I know we're going to talk about this with house hacking, but we were right in the middle of buying our second house hack actually at the time of Nathan and you know, it was very bittersweet buying this house because we were going to live in it and it was supposed to be for him. So my plan was to buy a house for each kid. Yep. And so there was a lot of emotion tied to it, but it was still like the best decision we made. Mm -hmm. And I'm really glad, like we ended up living in the house for two years and it was still a blessing. And so, uh, and as we talk about house hacking, it's what actually allowed us to be in the financial position we were in and are in to be able to provide for our kids in a way that we may not have been able to, and that we would have really wanted to like, who wouldn't want to give everything, especially like this was the one expense we were going to have for him. 
Mm-hmm. Like, how could we not bury him properly? Totally. You know? I'd be in the same boat. I don't blame yeah. you one bit. Are yeah. you comfortable sharing a little bit about maybe some like grieving tips? Cause I know this sure. is such a, a topic that's very taboo and it's freaking heartbreaking. Like it, it's a really yeah. sad reality for so many people. But when you were going through that, like, how did you, how did you grieve? Like, what, what did that look like? Yeah. And this is why I also started Investor Mama because there's a lot of financial podcasts out there, but when you're a mom, there's just so many things that people don't talk about like this or like conceiving the cost of conceiving is super expensive. Or if you're a mom and like you have aging parents, which I also unfortunately had to deal with, um, that like to help pay for them and deal with their stuff. Like this is all real life, but no one teaches you about it. And so part of the grieving process, like for me was the podcast a little bit itself, like knowing Mm -hmm. I had to like, I, a lot of people told me to journal as a way to grieve. I hate writing personally. (laughs) Me too. But but I could talk. (laughs) And so having the podcast was also a way for me to honor Nathan and to leave a legacy for my kids that God forbid something happens to me. I know life is very fragile now. They'll at least have these recording episodes in the ether as a way to hear my voice and to connect. And so the podcast was actually in a way very kind of cathartic for me to like put some energy into. Um, But really my husband's was like my biggest support. We really Mm. like, um, I feel like when you hit that type of scenario, it can either make or break your marriage and it really strengthened us. And then we have amazing, amazing friends who came for us and supported us and, and family, like everyone, I I should say the family because the friends are family and family are like friends. It's all kind of intertwined. Um, They were our rocks through it. And um there really is no way to get through it, but I had to, I had our oldest, I had to wake up the next day and go be hard. (laughs) I had to take her to school the next day. Like, you know, and so between all of our friends support and then just having our daughter to like, and she was so innocent and she was only two at the time. So she kind Mm. of knew that her brother wasn't coming home, but she didn't fully. Yeah understand so she was like okay mommy so like Nathan's not here but like I'm here like come play with me like man you're a tough cookie man I don't know how (laughs) like I I think everybody thinks that they I mean I don't know how I'd go through that I think it's I like that you said you had a good support system like what what did your family and friends do to show up for you that made the biggest impact is it just listening was it bringing over the lasagna like yeah was it checking in a year later like how do how do we support people going through that's, this that's really really good question so i'm jewish and in the jewish community there's this whole process of shiva and so after funeral usually you have people like come over and make things and so one of my best friends actually hosted the shiva because we were living and we were house hacking then too and our house was very small we couldn't even really fit people. So she opened up her home and my friends set up meal trains for me. They connected me to resources. Um, my coworkers at the time were all sending us food. Cause like that was super helpful food, like getting, sending food is just like, especially when, if they have another sibling mm. or another child, like you don't have time to cook and, um, connecting with other moms who went through it and, 
I will say this, and I I try to say this very carefully because I never want to offend anyone. But when when you lose a child at birth, it is a very different experience than when someone has a miscarriage. I wondered. And I never like to like, I know everyone has their own journey and everything is traumatic. But just for me personally, it was very helpful to connect with others who went through much more similar as I'm sure someone who lost a child after birth would feel very differently. For me, it was more helpful to connect with people who literally went through the same thing because it was kind of like cut the ball, like, yeah, let's talk. Um, and the one thing I also hated was when people would ask, how are you doing? And mm. I know it was always like, I like it meant well, but this, and this is just for me, other people grieve differently. And I would always be like, how do you think I'm doing? Like, what do you want me to answer with? Like, you're like, I'm going through hell. Are you yeah, kidding? Like, like, don't ask that just even just like, I'm here for you or like, what, like, you know, what can we help with? And sometimes it was just like having people around for me. I liked being around people. Some people may not, but that was just helpful too. just having people like come over checking in. It was also really nice when friends would maybe like a month later, just say, Oh, I was thinking of Nathan today. And like, that would be like really nice. And that was always like, you know, that was helpful. We also set up a fund for, um, and it, we call it the Angel Baby Project through UJ Federation. So if anybody else has lost a child, they could donate as well on behalf of their own. Um, and it's going to go to uh, scholarships. That was also something that was like, I needed to do something to make his memory be for blessing and not for not. And, uh, you know, as money nerds, um, I, I was actually looking forward to saving for college for him. And it was something that we wouldn't totally. get to do. And so at least this way, if I can't, if we couldn't save for college for him, we could at least save for somebody else. And so that's really um, cool. Yeah. So that that's was also at the time helpful to feel like you could gain control in a very uncontrollable situation. Like the, the probably one of the worst situations you can be in too. I can't, I can't even imagine. Like, was there any, was there any, like, did you have any expectations that there was maybe something wrong or was this like totally no. spread on you? It was, it was terrible. <laughs> I'm happy to share it. I am an open book about it now. So, um, I had was full term ready to go. And I said to my husband, he's going to come tomorrow. Like, you know, I'm going to sleep downstairs. I just have this feeling he's coming. I'll, I'll text you when he comes. Right. And I was like, what? Like, you can't just predict when you're going to go <laughs> he's into like, labor. Watch me, man. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, this is like ridiculous. I'm like, no, no, he's coming tonight. Like, I just know he is. I don't know. I feel it. Like mm. I'll sleep downstairs this way. Like, I don't want to go up and down the stairs if I'm going to like be in labor. Like, let me just, you know, I'll just stay down here. I was like, all right, fine, whatever. You're nuts. <laughs> and so the plan <laughs> was like, we were going to, he was going to, um, my friend was going to drive my daughter to the to school and like come back. We had like a tentative plan, but like my contractions ended up coming sure enough at like 1 a.m. I had the first one. And then like the second one was at 1.30, but then I was like 10 minutes apart by like wow. really I was like, we need to go like now. And I, and he's like, well, like, you know, our, our daughter is still sleeping. And I was like, well, like we gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> so we ran next door and we our neighbor just like came over to watch her. And the plan was for Joe to drive me to the hospital leave me like figure out how far along we were and then go um 
drive the school is right next to the hospital, drive her daughter to school. And then my friend was going to come meet me so she could be with me in case I needed someone. And then my mother-in-law was going to like come pick her up. And like, we had it kind of like a mosh pit of like, you know, hodgepodge of thing. We get to the hospital and like, okay, you know, they're like, oh, you're like, I think I was like eight centimeters by then. And they're like, you need to like go. So they like, you know, take me mm. into the room and like, okay, whatever, standard stuff. And like the first, you know, whatever. And then I see like another person come in and then I see like another, I see a doctor come in and I see them like, oh, like what's going on? They're like, oh, nothing. Just like, you know, relax. And then I see a couple more people coming in. I'm like, all right, what's going oh, on? Man. This is- yeah. And they're like, we're just confirming something. I'm like, okay, well, like, what are you confirming? And they're like, well, we just don't see a heart. We don't feel, there's no heartbeat. Oh. And I'm like, what are you talking about? That's there's like no the heartbeat. I'm like, I was just at the doctor three days ago. Everything was fine. Like he sees like in my lower, usually he's in my lower abdomen area, mm-hmm. like take a look. And they're like, she's like, I have no idea how to tell you this, but he's gone. And I was like, what do you mean he's gone? How could he be gone? I didn't even, ha- I didn't even have a shot. So like, usually you picture the scenes in the hospital where you delivering and there's like everyone scrambling to save the baby's life. But I'm like, 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 I don't even get that. Like I get that, like Aww. this. So I'm like, oh man, I'm about to deliver like a dead child. Like, what do you do? So I was like half uncomprehending half not comprehending i completely like i mean a shutdown like you're like in you know hormones are sort like surging at this point and so i just said give me any drug you have like load me up like if i'm gonna do this like i can't even emotion like i don't know what to do and i just remember like completely breaking down and praying that they were wrong and that we had a shot Mm. And sure enough, when he came out, the worst sound in the world is um, the sound of silence after delivering. And the doctor, they were all like crying. Like it was just. It was freaking awful. Yeah. Yeah. It was. um, You're a very, a very amazing person to have to go through that. But then to, to openly share this stuff. Thank you. I do it because I felt so alone in it. Nobody talks about this and I get why it's horrific. It was, it was, it was. And, um, sorry. Um, (laughs) when you hold that little joy, it's supposed to be, um, the most amazing experience. And when you get that ripped from you, I, I just remember leaving the hospital with my, my arms felt so heavy and so light because yeah. we were missing, we were missing him. And, um, good Lord, there's I'm nothing. That, yeah. Uh, I'm just, I'm so glad that you turned such a, I mean, frankly, a shitty thing that nobody should ever have to go through into a way to connect people and to help and to, make his memory last frankly far longer than probably any of us will last and that's pretty impressive <laughs> i hope that you so doing that because it, it was he got cheated it wasn't fair he didn't even get it was he was cheated he was really really cheated and sounds like we kind of all were he sounds like he was an incredible kid yeah and like i knew him like he was so active and he was so fun and 
Aww. like as as much as you can be. Like I knew he like we had that bond already because totally. I knew he was coming that night. And I just I was so angry, so angry with God, so angry at everything, because even for not even for our loss, his loss, like, yeah. why would you do that to him and not even let him get a shot to breathe, to feel air, to do anything like why? What is the purpose? Right. And I really struggled with that. And I got really angry and said, God, <laughs> I still <laughs> believe in you. You're yeah. really testing my limits right now. <laughs> But I'm going to make his memory be for a blessing and try to inspire anyone I can for him because I know it was worth something. Absolutely. Absolutely. You are a very, very powerful woman. You really are. <laughs> Thank you. With, it's not been easy. <laughs> with your, I'm, I'm so fascinated. How did that, that experience? So then you had your sweet little baby, Ethan, yeah. who is just a ball of joy, man. That kid is so cute. (laughs) He really is. Yeah. So I don't want this to be very depressing, but I had another curveball thrown at me. Mm -hmm. Um, So the reason why we had rushed to have Nathan close, as close as we could to our daughters, because right before my daughter was born, my mom was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's, which that was also like, come on, God. (laughs) Like, Seriously, you're like, she's young. My mom was only 60, 60 at the time of the diagnosis. Like she's young. She was young. Oh I had just gosh. gotten married. Yeah. And I was like, again, how can you cheat someone right. from like, like when you die, the one thing you get to take with you is your memories. And now you're going to steal my mom's memories. Mm-hmm. And I literally have to like watch her die twice to watch her lose her memory. And this, so I'm like, so that's when Joe and I, we fortunately were able to get pregnant with Kaylee. And I was like, we need to have kids as quickly as possible. Cause I want my mom to have as much, you know, time that's with cool. them. That's very cool. But then Nathan happened and I was like, and so um, I was hit with that. And then my mom actually just passed away last year. I'm so, sorry. Um, so, but she did get to at least meet our youngest and she was with him for like a little, like almost a year of time, not even, but uh, yeah. So it's been, and even that, like we had, I had to pay for her rehab costs and stuff at the time she had to have like a major operation. And so we had to come out of pocket. And I'm like, at the time we didn't know this was going to be the end of my mom with COVID. It was like a mess. But fortunately, we had some money to like be able to pay for her to get the care that she needed. I'm at the very end that we again, we didn't know it was the end. But like, you know, we tried to do everything we could, especially because we couldn't see her because they weren't allowing anyone in during COVID. So, um, yeah. So needless to say, all of this (laughs) is, uh, yeah, um, I still, you know, believe that there is a reason for everything. Um, I have to, I have to believe that there is a reason for everything. And that uh, if I, so if you are also dealing with like an aging parent, I know how difficult that can be. And um, that was actually really tough. When my mom passed, that was, that was that I still like, it's, it'll actually almost be a year. It'll be a year this month coming up. Oh, wow. And that was like, the one blessing from hers was that she at least remembered us to the very end. That was my biggest fear. She wasn't, but she did. And I got to be with her in her last moment. 
Um, but uh, yeah, um, there's always curveballs. I if you would have asked me if any of this would have happened like three, four years ago, I would have said no way. And to ha- it was like bam, bam, bam. I feel like every back I couldn't to breathe. Back too, man. Yeah, it was like I felt like I was constantly like drowning because literally I got through one. You know, literally the delivery. And first of all, just delivering a child is like <laughs> dramatic enough. And I don't have to- kids. There's a reason. It seems so scary. <laughs> yeah. And then to lose Nathan. And, and while well, my mom had the Alzheimer's and I was also the caregiver for my grandmother because my mom couldn't take care of her because she had the Alzheimer's and I just felt like I need air literally like to breathe. Yeah. Um, and then when Ethan was born to get his hit, I was like, all right, come on. Like they say, like, God only gives you what you can handle. I'm like, I've handled enough. Like, can you just, I'm like, done. Can tap out? Give, me, <laughs> cool. give me a break, like give me a freaking break already. Um, Seriously. And so like, I've been through it. And if like, you're in it, I get it. And it's really hard. It is really hard to even want to get up sometimes. Um, Let alone think of your finance. Like now you, yeah, I I know. How did you even deal with that when you were going through all that grief? Like it's, it was something I knew I had to do because we had, we still had kids. We still had a family and we still wanted it. We still wanted a family. And I knew that I had to be the example for them because if something ever, like what it, it made me realize how fragile life is. And if something happened to me and my husband, like then what they would really be like, True. and like, I just could not have that, you know, um, that's fair. You know, in a way it was almost motivating to really get our house. I mean, I've always been crazy financially with just having like our <laughs> financial house in order, <laughs> Totally. but this was like, you know, like, and I mean, we like, you know, of course we checked our wills, we checked our, yeah. all of that stuff, made sure, made sure we had proper insurance as my husband, I still need to do a money date to like, cause like, I have like all this stuff now that I've like, you know, trying with crypto and all these fun little side oh, things, cool. but he has like no idea what I'm doing. I'm like, you need to know where our accounts are. Like if something happens to me, oh, like wow. you need to know what's up. So, um, which I encourage anyone <laughs> Make totally. sure like in all these things, like life is real and you may think you're going on cruise control, but then when that bump hits, are you prepared? Like, what are you going to do? Um, yeah. Like, do you even have access to a bank account? I, one of my friends lost her husband. He was in his early forties and three kids and ugh, I'm so sorry. Oh, it was awful. It was awful. But the the worst part too, it's, I shouldn't even say the worst part. It was just another added layer of complexity Yeah, was he managed the money. And mm. so she didn't even know, like, how do you even, where's all of our accounts even at? How do I access our life insurance? What company is that through? Like there was so much crap there that it was, I mean, it's eye opening. It makes you really even like my life now, I'm like, okay, where's every, I got to have it all documented. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. You really do. It's so important. Yeah, no, I mean, it's really scary what can happen. And like, are you prepared? (laughs) And if you're not, I don't want this to scare you because like, it really doesn't take that much to get prepared. Mm. It's just small steps to do it, but you just got to do it. Like, yeah, you know, getting a will, it doesn't have to be scary. And I know it's so horrible to talk about and people don't like it, but it will be so much worse for your family, if you don't talk about it. And I know it's so hard 
But like, especially if you're a mom, I like to always tell people like you can do hard things. So like you can do this, you can get, if you're in debt and you're struggling or you're not sure what, like you can do it. If you can deliver, if you can have a kid, if you, and even if like, you're not a mom, but like, like you're still dealing with all the things it's like we, most of us have to deal with aging parents or yeah. there's always something, whatever it is. Cause I know everyone's life situation is different, but like you can do hard things. It's going to stretch you. It's going to mess you up. <laughs> and like, you may question a million things and there's always two ways to handle it. You can just like go through it and figure out what the blessing is, or you can let it consume you. But at the end of the day, it's your choice. And mm-hmm. I know, I know it's not easy, but especially if you have kids, like they're watching you and uh, you they're know. always watching you. That's the problem. I know. <laughs> I'm like, I can't even go to the bathroom. Like, so it's like, right here. You're getting like notes under the door. And- yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> what so is funny. going on? <laughs> how did, how did all of this? Cause so oh, you, sorry. oh, you're good. You're- yes. Hi. No, 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 no. Oh, here. I'll let you just say hi. Hi. Hi, bud. This is our number two. Hey, sweetheart. <laughs> all right. Here. You want to say hi too, really quickly? So cute. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> hey. All right. Now say bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. <laughs> Sorry. The cutest kids. They're Thank so you. precious. They're Sorry. So- no, you're good. Don't don't sweat it at all. I'm curious, like with with these experiences that you've gone through, no doubt in my mind that you've came out a stronger person, but how did that? Did that fuel your financial independence journey more where you're like, I need that time or like, how did that change things? Yeah, it's a really great question, Winnie. Um, I really realized the value and the preciousness of time and how like, it's really, I have a very different perspective of life. Like I actually hate saying to our kids, like, you know, mommy, I'll see you soon. Or mommy will, mommy always comes back or mommy will come back. Cause what if I don't, and I don't want to like be unrealistic because you never know like what if I didn't come back that day um, and I know that sounds terrible but it's kind of just the world I'm living in you know and so we still are we're very close to being at the point where we can like my husband's never going to retire he he loves his job and he's just good <laughs> it's just replacing my income and we're like so close and so I've been really figuring out a way I'm always going to work because that's just who I am but I don't want to have to work and COVID was actually a huge blessing because it gave us time as a family to really be home with the kids for almost two years. Like my husband was still working from home, but he was like still around. And so I, um, I left my full-time job at the time. I was let go. It was the biggest blessing. It was the best yeah, thing that happened to me. I'm excited yeah, for you. yeah. And so between investor mama and like, I do real estate now cause I love it, but the goal is like, how do we really create that? Like everything that I bring in is just extra and we can really just live off the passive streams because yep. like net worth at the end of the day means nothing <laughs> if it's all tied up in, you know, retirement accounts or in equity, you know, real estate. And so for me, it's all cash flow. Like how can we create income that we can tangibly touch mm-hmm. and use so that it, it gives us really even more freedom so that we can be with the kids. And like, you know, this is the age where they're home and they need us the most. And I've been very blessed to be that for them. 
and I want to continue. And like, I have so many goals and dreams I want to do with them. And we're like right there. You're <laughs> so like, close. How, yeah. how give everybody context. Like how far away are you from totally replacing your income? So we probably need like a thousand dollars more a month to, to completely. Yeah. Which is like nothing, but it's still like, like it's nothing there. but a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's like there. So we want that, but we're pretty much coast five for now. Um, so we're, and, uh, yeah, we've been just very blessed. We made a lot of decisions when people made fun of us for making the decisions like house hacking and it allowed us the freedom to now do what we want. We've always lived in like good areas. We never lived, you know, but you know, when all our friends were buying houses that were, you know, half or more than half of their (laughs) income, we were living in a little one bedroom apartment and renting out the rest. And, that allowed us to live in really nice areas, save tremendously Mm. and put us in a position for our kids now that we have a lot more flexibility and freedom. That's incredible. So I know that you are huge into house hacking. You've mentioned that a couple of times that you're a fan of it. Give everybody some context. If nobody's heard of house hacking, what exactly is that from your perspective? Sure. I think Brandon Turner from Bigger Pockets termed it but it's essentially where uh, if you buy a duplex, a triplex or a fourplex, or even your current home and you um, take a room and you rent it out, but it's essentially that you live in one area of your house and you rent out the rest, whether through Airbnb, through renting more long-term, whatever, but it's a way to significantly reduce your costs or have someone completely reduce your housing costs, whether they're they're paying the mortgage and Mm. some for us, we're in the, uh, we're in the Northeast. So the cost of living is extremely expensive, but for us just to um, have someone cover our mortgage and not make, it was like good enough. For sure. (laughs) Then we could save significantly in other areas. Um, Cause your biggest, your biggest expenses, if you think about it, really your housing, your food and your car. Yeah. I mean, like, really, so if you yeah. can get your housing significantly reduced, then it's like, now you have some play. Now you can like really make moves and change the trajectory of your life. How, okay. So hold on your, your first house hack that you and your husband were working towards, was this his idea? Was it your idea? And how did that conversation even go? So it was totally my idea. <laughs> but I, I didn't know what house hacking was. Yeah, this was um this was back in 2013. I didn't even know what house hacking was. We weren't even married yet. We were still dating. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like, I don't even like looking back at it now, it just seems ridiculous. Cause I was like, let's just buy a house. Like we weren't even married. We weren't anything. Like it's like, what mm-hmm. who does this? And he's like, Yeah, okay, I'll buy a house. I'm like, okay. I'm like, I really like. I don't think I should be on it, but like you should buy it and you should buy like something. Again, this is like I have no idea what I was doing. I was like, well, let's buy like a duplex or something and just rent out. And then this way we'll have some income. And then he's like, so smart. okay. And he's like, okay. Cause I was like kind of learning a little bit of real estate at the time, but I was like, let's just like, I wish I would have known now what I knew back then we would have bought like 10 of these, but, know, um, right. but I didn't know what it was. It was just kind of like made sense to me. Like I wanted to get into to real estate. I figured this was like an easy way we could just buy And so we bought our first duplex in 2013. It was um, a one bedroom, one bath. And then the upstairs was a two bed, one bath. It already had a tenant. We just kind of moved in and it was so small. Everyone thought we were nuts. They're like, what are you doing? Like why? And all my friends are buying, you know, the three bed, two baths. And I'm like, yeah, we don't need that now. It's fine. Like, (laughs) and (laughs) we had a little backyard. It was like nothing. And like, we could barely host our parent. And so then I got pregnant a few years later 
And I was like, we really can't live here. Yeah, you're like, this is not happening. <laughs> so, uh, so, or actually I should back up. We were starting to try it. I was like, we can't live here. Mm-hmm. So my husband's like, well, what, what if we like, we were at the time thinking of maybe building an addition on the house mm-hmm. so that we could get more rent upstairs and then make it like a two bedroom downstairs. But our tenants ended up leaving. So we moved upstairs. So it was a two bed, one bath. Oh, cool. And was, so, and then we rented out the bottom. He was like, all right, we could stay here. Like, we'll make this work. And so um, it was great. And then uh, we had our daughter, we were living in it and we, it was, it was awesome. And then uh, we were going to try for Nathan I was like, all right, now we really can't do it. <laughs> we got to go. Like, yeah, I was like, she's she's about to, you know, she's two. Like, we can't have two kids in here. And when we found out he was a boy, we were like, this is going to be, this is tough. Like, it's yeah, still like having him share rooms and stuff. Yeah. So we we searched for like a year for our ne- next one. And we finally found it. And um, we were going to, we did, so this is another amazing thing, strategy. We bought, we use an FHA 203K loan. Oh, okay. So that we could build in the construction costs to do a rehab Smart. and then essentially our tenants would pay it off over the long term and we'd build an equity and so we bought um this time it was a two bed one bath that we could they'll make the living room a third bedroom and it had a, a basement that was done so the basement would be like the play area for the kids and then we could have, we could make the bedroom for him. And then like, we figured we'd have it. And then the upstairs was the five bed, three bath that we were able to rent out uh, to the family that we ended up renting out to college kids. So, but with that, actually I should back up. It originally was a two bed, one bath art unit. And then we enclosed the porch to make it like that third Oh, room. smart. I love so, that. So we got it. But then after Nathan happened, I was like, I can't deal with this house no so um eventually I was like we really need to move mm-hmm. and then at totally that fair. point yeah we bought the single family which again I really wanted to buy another house hack was the plan but COVID hit and I was like you know what if we eventually want it because our daughter was three we're gonna need to get her into schools by the time she's like five mm. I was like, we really need to like get, cause I figured we're, we're in the Northeast. I figured a lot of New Yorkers were going to be leaving and trying to like, you know, property was going to go. So we literally just went around to like some of the, like the nice towns in our area and just lowballed. This was in the height of COVID oh, and we just lowballed a bunch of our, like we got so lucky. Um, and so now we're living, um, we had to do a lot of work on this single family that we bought and the plans to pull out equity from this. And then now we'll buy another one. And so each house hack actually allowed us to take the next. This is step. so cool. So um, I love yeah. that you're doing this with kids too. So yes. let me see if I understand this correctly. The other two properties you still own and still yes. rent out. And then you have your single family home that you guys are in currently. Yep. Your plan is to take out the equity from the single family home and then buy an Airbnb, I might be. Yeah. That's what we're playing with. Yeah. Yeah, That's what we're playing with. Cause we, unfortunately we can't really house hack again. You can only house hack a certain number of times. It has to be believable from a mortgage company. And so now we're in a single family, nice area. The like, unless we were to move out of our, like the state or like have a really believable story. Mm -hmm. So like the other one we were able to continue doing because like we were expanding our family and it was like, but um, at least for right now, we can't really like go from a single family to like a duplex, it may be like the not nice area. <laughs> it's not really believable. 
So it'd be hard to get a loan on it. So I wish we would have done it more like sooner because we also have an F with an FHA loan. If we didn't have the FHA, it would have been easier also Mm. to do it. Um, But it allowed us easy access into the home. So with the the FHA loans, we were able to put down only 3%. And in our area, it's, it's so expensive to like get in. And that's why it allowed us. So house hacking with kids actually really allowed us to live in nice areas Hmm. with the kids. This is why I tell people to do it. Like you don't have to slum it. <laughs> like yeah. you can live in nice areas and house hacking allowed us to free, like to actually afford the nice areas with the good schools. And my philosophy was always, if we could just get to like, where if we moved out, we were zero yeah. or even lost maybe a little bit a month. But as long as we were like close, if not losing a little bit after, you know, vacancy cap, your capital expenses, your maintenance, I didn't care because that house now is paid for by tenants and fast forward, you know, the equity build up, the loan pay down when the kids are ready for college, like right. that could be their college fund or our retirement, like whatever. So doing it with kids, it was like, we have to do it with kids. Not like don't do, cause I know a lot of people are afraid to do it with kids, they but are. it was, um, yeah, it was like, there's just so many reasons to do it with kids. You're kind of blowing my mind right now because there's <laughs> a few things that like I did a very different version of house hacking when I was uh, younger. That was mine was renting actually this house that I'm in right now. Um, awesome. I bought it when I was a baby. I was like 19 and rented out two rooms to my friends and it worked out great. That was, but that's like the very traditional, I think, version of house hacking that we hear is like the slumming it stuff. <laughs> you've got like 90 roommates and you're like, cool, I'm barely paying anything. But you have like a full on family. <laughs> so this yeah, is totally yeah. different. I and like this. So there's a there's a bunch of pros. Like first of all, the first big pro for us was it allowed us accessibility into nice areas that yeah. if we were going to buy a single family, we would never have been able to afford the mortgage on our own, especially with daycare costs and all that. So to have someone else helping us to pay the mortgage, it was like, okay, that's awesome. Now we could actually live in the nice areas and be the Joneses without being the Joneses, you totally. know? So that was one thing. The second thing is when people say they're nervous, well, when you move into a new neighborhood, you don't know your neighbors. Like you have no idea who you're going to live with. At least with house hacking, you could pick your neighbors. Like fair, <laughs> as long as you have good screening, like we picked and you know, and also like with landlord tenant laws, as long as you keep everything, you know, equal, no one knows why you chose anyone or not. So you could pick people who, who may get along with or whatever. It's so true. Um, so that was like the second thing. The third thing is like when you have a family, especially if like they're younger and you're not sure like what the area is like, or you're thinking about it, like you may not want to live there forever. So at least you could house hack and then worse comes to worse, you just rent out your unit and then you can move out. So it also allows you flexibility. That's so, so smart. Which is also like a really, you know, especially when you have kids, you need that flexibility. Absolutely. And then the fourth thing that I, I love, which no one talks about is the education piece. Like mm-hmm. when we house hacked, we brought our daughter into the process. Like even though she was only two, she knew that, we owned a home that we were going to let somebody else live there. We were going to go meet them. Like she came when we met like potential tenants and we would say, we're going to like talk to them. And then like, they're going to pay us to live here. And then this will allow us to buy more toys for you down the road. And she's like, done. I agree. (laughs) She's like, like, Oh, they have a dog. I like them. And I'm like, "Eh, (laughs) they have a dog. We need to rent to them. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, like hey, let's uh, we'll think about that one, honey. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> but it was like a hands-on, like I could teach her. And like at the time, she's but now she's older, but she knows now. Like when we go to do some work on the house, she'll come sometimes and she'll like she she sees that this is like so cool. you know, her house. And when our you know, our old uh, and Ethan gets a little older, like he's gonna know that like this is his house, and we have you know, a house for each kid now, like that they're going to be working really on it, cool. like how we do it. So like you're giving your kids just like a hands-on experience, like that they're living there, they're seeing you in action. And then the fifth thing is that house hacking is your greatest wealth building tool hmm. that you are going to do for your kids and for your family. I touched on this before, but like you don't First of all, you'll have with house hacking eventually down the road, you could potentially use it as a vehicle to pay for college. If you don't want to do traditional 529 plans, you can either sell the house, you could refinance the money out, or you could, if you're, you know, financially passive income to help cover the cost of college. So that's then setting your kids up. So they're not in debt. So that's mm-hmm. like the one. And if let's say you don't want to use it to cover their cost of college, Chances are, if you're house hacking, by the time you're ready to retire, you're going to have enough passive income once your homes are paid off to cover your expenses. And now you're giving your kids the greatest gift of not having to take care of you (laughs) when you are older. Which is huge. Yeah. Because like the cost, when we were looking at stuff for my mom and for my grandmother, it was like $10,000 a month just to be in a facility. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's another fun one. (laughs) Holy crap. Yeah. So if you want to like live in just like, like if you have to, you know, get to a point where you may not be like your significant other, if you don't have one, may not be able Mm -hmm. to take care of you, you have to go into a home. They're not cheap. And If you want Medicaid, I could do a whole another episode on this, but if you don't want Medicaid, if you want to get eligible for Medicaid, because Medicaid, if you have like too much money, you're like not eligible, but it's like, who also has $10,000 a month? Like, you know, freaking money. Yeah. (laughs) So to get into some of these homes, though, they require at least a year of private pay to get into like at the nicer ones. So that's hundred twenty thousand dollars that you may need to pay that like your kids may not have but at least if you're taking care of or even just your own funeral costs my husband and i started looking at our own costs and that was going to be like twenty thousand dollars each for us so it was like twelve thousand for nathan but like i don't want to burden our kids with that so um yeah so the house hacking vehicle i know now when we're ready like we'll have even if nothing else at least the income from our rents to at least cover us that like our kids can worry about their own family and their own and not have to worry about our generation. They can worry about the next generation because I feel like we're the sandwich generation of the parents and the kids and ourselves. And it's like, how do you have enough money to do anything? (laughs) It's hard. It's really hard. So, but that's where I like that you're, you're tying this into house hacking, not as a way I, I, I'm going to say this kind of tongue in cheek, but it seems like a lot of the house hacking conversation is very much that bro finance stuff where it's like, oh yeah, man, just retire at 25. Like, you know, it's like, okay, cool. But if you're like in your thirties and have a freaking family, like your goal is maybe not to necessarily retire at 25 and go slum it in hostels around yes. the world. Like, cool. yeah. That's am- If that's your goal, that is incredible. Yeah. I and kudos to you. <laughs> For sure. I'm probably just jealous, but, <laughs> but at the end of the day, I mean, so many people do have lives with families and, and other other things too. So I think that this is really, 
interesting. And it sounded like the, the loan method, the, the financing avenue was the FHA 203k. Is that Yeah. Correct? So that allowed us the flexibility to include the rehab costs in and low down payment. So our cash on cash return was so high that I, that's why I didn't care if our, um, if we didn't cash flow, everyone's like cash flow, cash flow. I don't care about cash flow As long as I'm not, even if we were negative a hundred bucks a month, that's fine. Cause I know we're building equity. Mm-hmm. And we put like nothing into the houses to get in these, like in our area to get like a, like a decent house is like seven, 800,000, <laughs> like oh to God. get in a nicer area is like, like, we don't have that. We can never afford oh that. God. And then like, and also as an investor, if you're starting to invest, like, and you already have your single family, then like, it's like 20% down who has like $140,000, $150,000 lying for around real. for a house. So to put down like even like 10%, like 70,000, it's still a lot, but it's a lot less and much more like attainable. But for us, even putting 5% down, you know, I would just say work with whatever, putting your down payment so that you, I don't want you going in the hole every month, like make sure your rents can get. Cause in these areas, like you still want to make sure your numbers work. Yeah. But like for us, it was about the long-term thinking and the more of the mm-hmm. generational wealth than like the short, quick fix hit. And like I said, it also then allowed us to live in nice areas that we never could have afforded on our own. Let's um, dig into, you were mentioning something that I thought was interesting too. You were saying the duplexes, triplexes, like that kind of stuff was fine. And then now that you have a single family home, it's harder to do additional yeah. sex. Can you talk to me about why that might be? Sure. Yeah. So I'm not a, a lender, so don't hundred percent quote me on this, but I was told from our lender that um, single family is like the highest like the nicest house. Mm-hmm. So like if you were to go from a fourplex, an upgrade would be then going to like a triplex or a duplex. Okay. So as you kind of go down indoors, it's considered upgrading. So it's like, you can't upgrade from a single oh. family to a duplex. It's not like believable. Interesting. So that's Good to know. Yeah. So I wish we would have bought a couple more, but for us, the timing at that point, um, we, it was just too much. And I will say this though, if you are going to house hack or do any rehab with kids, the biggest lesson I could share is make sure you always have contingency plans. I remember like the day we actually moved into the house hack. So like the next day we had the contractor come and start doing some demo work mm-hmm. and it was like crazy. It was like five o'clock or not even it was like four 30, I think. And we had to pick up our daughter at five and there was just dust everywhere in the house. And I was like, we can't bring her here. Like what, what are we going to do? Like, like what, this is like crazy. So I was like, oh my God. And my husband's like, are you kidding me? Like, what are we going to do? And I was like, I don't know, but we can't stay here. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're and he's like, I'm like, even if we clean it up, like she's going to breathe all this in, like, we can't do that. And he's like, I was like, let's just get a hotel. And sure enough, we, I like called like all the hotels and it was just like suburbia. So it's like, not like there's so easy to find hotels, right. but I found like this <laughs> probably really shady motel. Like it was like, why would you ever stay in a motel in these areas? Cause there's like, you know, nothing going on, but like we did it. And, um, we had to stay there a couple nights actually, <laughs> Just, but she loved it and it worked sure out. She thought but, it was great. Yeah. She was like living her best life. Like you kidding me? So, That's but so yeah, awesome. always be flexible and know that like, you may have to pivot very quickly, but it's okay. Like, and like, as much as we were like, you know, oh my God, what are we going to do? We're like the worst parents in the world. She loved it and it worked out. And now like, it was small. It was so small and so silly. And when you're in it, then like the big picture of things. So when, yeah, when you're in it, everything seems like 
the biggest deal in the whole world. And then yeah. in hindsight, you're like, ah, you know, we're, we're cool now, but yeah, I like that contingency tip. I think that's very smart when it comes to. Yes. If you have a kids and with kids. And also the other thing, like, even if you're not in love with the idea of house hacking, like I said before, you can do hard things. You really only have to live in a house for a year and then you can move out. You can mm. do anything for a year. If this is going to set yourself up for generational wealth, a year is nothing in the scheme of things. It's here, so, here. it's so small. It's so silly. Like do it. <laughs> I totally agree. Like it's just such a, it was such a clutch for us to help our wealth building journey. And that's why I'm so adamant about it. And and again, too, like, because we house hacked, that allowed us to have the extra money for Nathan and with my mom and stuff, like we never would have had that flexibility. We would have been house poor if we followed the traditional path that everyone else did. It's so true. And I, I think about how often we set ourselves up for that path without even realizing there's another option. And that's why I'm so grateful that you're able to come on and like, just share about first and foremost, life never goes as planned. And then secondly, the financial piece of like, Hey, you can still have an incredible financial life and have that time freedom back when you have kids, just because you have a family doesn't mean that your, your financial life or your house hacking has to end. I I love that you bring that into the conversation. And I think if nothing else, you owe it to your kids to set the example for them so that they can have the right financial plan too and not end up in debt or not end up following, you know, a path that maybe you really don't want for them. You are such a smart cookie. I have learned (laughs) way, way, way too much from this episode. I'm just like, my mind is blown. Oh, thank you. you you, Seriously. I love your content. Like you are so inspiring. You are. Are you kidding? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I was was so excited to come on. I really want, like, if I could leave your audience with anything, like that's my wish. Cause like, I just, like you are phenomenal. I love your work and I think you're doing great things. I feel the exact same way about you too, especially how you are bringing so much I guess, nuance to this area of house hacking that I don't often hear. And so I'm so grateful that you shared some really good tips before we officially part ways. I know everybody should for sure. Check out your podcast, investor mama. Is yes, there anywhere and, else? And you Whitney, you came on one of, uh, on my podcast yeah. too. And I definitely want to share your episode was amazing. It was Thank tips you. on having a conversation with your spouse and your story. So uh, I definitely want you to go check that out too. I can send the link as well for Thanks. your audience because well, you were phenomenal on that. Um, you were so sweet. So yeah, but you what can also go to investormama.com slash connect if you'd like to connect with me. You can find my Instagram, my Facebook and all that fun stuff. And then your Instagram will be linked for sure in the show notes too because I know people are going to want to reach out and say hi because you were incredible. And then oh, maybe if they're you. looking for a house to buy. <laughs> yeah. Reach yeah. <laughs> reach out. I love, and if also, I, I really mean when I say this, if you have experienced loss and you want to just like, I'm here, like I get it. Mm-hmm. So please reach out and happy to hear your story. If you want to share, or you don't want to share, but you just want to know, like, I get it. And, um, my heart is with you because I know, um, it's really, really hard. So yeah, it would, it would be a very lonely journey. And I think it's one of those types of losses that people don't quite like people like me have never experienced that type of loss. It's hard to even know what to say or, you know, anything. So it's so nice to have resources and community that have been through this 
that can truly give you true guidance. I, I just think it's, it's incredible that you're so open with that too. Thank you. And if it's okay, I'm happy to also share the link to the angel baby project. Please so if do. Would like to, Absolutely. you know, if, if knows of the child, if has lost a child or knows someone and wants to make a donation in their honor too, please feel free to. Yeah. I love that you started that too. I think it, it's incredible. And that's also going to be linked in the show notes. So before we <laughs> officially close off this conversation, Jen, are you down for some rapid fires? Yeah, bring it. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> I, this is my favorite question these days because I clearly have not gone anywhere. So let's live vicariously for a sec. Where is one location you're dying to travel to? Um, so we are planning hopefully to go to Hawaii with the kids next year. So yeah, I'm trying to travel hack that. So that's going to be our next big thing. This so is I'm huge. Gonna, Which island? I don't even know. <laughs> My friend said Maui is awesome. We're going to use like Hilton points for hotels and stuff. And then I'm going to use our Chase Sapphire for um, travel to for airfare and stuff. I so, think that's going to be so amazing. Yeah. So that's our next one. Yeah. That's our next big trip. <laughs> I like it. Okay. Okay. I, I can dig it. Uh, my next question for you. Are you more of a morning or evening routine evening. person? Okay. Evening. What's your evening routine? <laughs> oh, it's terrible. Well, once the kids can actually go to bed, <laughs> let's say that's like nine o'clock. <laughs> no, like they're probably in bed by eight. And then my husband and I eat dinner. We'll usually watch something silly on TV or whatever. And then I'm honestly doing like podcast or real estate stuff or whatever. Um, so that's my nighttime routine, but that's when I feel that I hate to say it's like the me time. So that's when, yeah, I, I, I feel productive. <laughs> totally believe it. <laughs> okay. What is one book that you find yourself gifting to people most often? Well, I used to read a lot and then I had kids and then I just stopped, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll say two books I really love is, um, the slight edge. The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. And then the biggest book that got me started in all this money thing was I Have to Stay Rich Dead, Poor Dead. It was the classic, got me into it all. So those are two books I always recommend. I love that. Okay, okay. Uh, final question for you. In your opinion, what is the secret to financial success? Ooh, well, for me, there's like two things. One is... Um, to one, you, one is that you could really do it, but to like, really believe you can do it and know, um, I think so many times we're hard on ourselves or think it's so overwhelming that we don't know where to begin and we don't, so we don't do anything. But, uh, I always go back to like, you can do hard things and this isn't that hard. And even if it seems hard, like you can do it. Like it's just the baby steps. And that's why I love the slight edge. It's like the small little things that are easy to do, easy not to do. Like, just like automate everything and then you're done. Like, just automate it and then like sit back and then just like forget it. So it doesn't have to be hard. And the second thing is I've learned, and this is may not be so financial, but just like a life thing is like the importance of community. So like who you associate with, like whether it was like with Nathan for us, the community we were in or like with money, like meeting awesome people to connect with and learn about money with and talk about money with like yourself. Um, that's, those are like the keys. I think that like really helped us to get, move forward. You are such a rock star, Jen. Thank you for hanging <laughs> out, you, for being so open. <laughs> it is always fun spending time with you. And I'm so glad that we were able to 
to chat today. Yes, thank you so much. It was it was really a pleasure. Okay, what'd you think of this episode? This one was definitely one that I will never forget. And I hope that you learned a couple things that maybe it changed your perspectives on what house hacking can be and ultimately how to navigate your finances and use that to help you go through some difficult times that we inevitably will all have. If you enjoyed this episode, do me the biggest favor and take a screenshot and tag myself and Jen on Instagram. You can find our Instagram links in the description box. It would mean the world for us to see that you're listening in and just come say hi. It's always fun to connect with you. All right, that is it for today. I will see you on Friday for Five Tip Friday or next week for another episode of the Money Nerds podcast. Bye. Bye.